Secret Friends Unite! Ooh, jeez. Okay, that's better. Ah, okay. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. All right. Let's get this going in five, four, three, two, one, go. Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 322. This is your guide to the geek side, and I'm your host, Todd Oxtra, joined by Charlie Carton. 322, Scooby-Doo. I don't know, is, is 322, is there a, any kind of synchronicity with that kind of number? Or is it just like a boring, you know, run-of-the-mill no. salad, vanilla, ice cream kind of number? I don't think it's even divisible by another number. No, just oh, kidding, yeah. it is. It's even. Every even number can be divisible by uh, another number. It can so. be divis- divisible. Correct. Yes. So we aren't good at math, but we are good at geek pop culture and media. So, folks, you joined us, two pals from back in the college days, talking about nerdy stuff. Um, and Charlie, um, 322 episodes leads us down the path of we kind of covered a lot of ground. I mean, just throughout the years, we, we try to cover lots of different things in our topics. So we've been branching out more. So we've got a very special uh, Thunderdome this week. And we're going to be looking into trying to take Charlie down the path of reading more about Green Lantern because he's more interested in that character. So you're going to hold on to one of the iconic storylines of Green Lanterns from back in the 70s. So hold on your horses. And that's a little teaser for what we're going to talk about this episode. But before we go further, Charlie... We're going to talk about the issue number that that graces us this episode, and that is the Uncanny X-Men 322, it's titled I, Who Stopped Juggernaut? I got issues, man. Yeah, so this is from uh, the summer of 1995. Oh, Todd, that was – if I remember correctly, that's when uh, that's when you went to boot uh, for the Air Force, if I'm not mistaken. Wasn't it that summer? Because you missed field training at Lackland Air Force Base in uh, San Antonio, mm, Texas. Te- yes. uh, te- Texas in July. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I got one phone call to my mom. She sent me a newspaper clipping of how well Batman, uh, <laughs> Batman Forever did, which was kind of funny. And I was so mad because I didn't get to see it. So I sat in the oh. Texas heat, going out, eating cactus, and hurting my leg. It was such oh. a great time. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. My mother was uh, another great one for newspaper clippings. That was something she would always be like, "There's this thing." If she could, she would probably still. Do, I think she still gets a newspaper. Probably the last person on earth. But uh, yeah, great cover. Was this during the uh, post Rob Liefeld era, uh, era? So they tried to oh well, find well an past artist that. who yeah they tried to find an artist who drew like him. But this is a terrible representation of the Juggernaut. His arms are bigger than his legs, like by multiple magnitudes. Um, and his uh, outfit is torn in such a way that it's kind of flash dance. Oh, what a feeling. Yeah, so a little bit about this. So this is well post uh, – this is post the image purge from Marvel. So they were kind of retooling their artist pool, and they were digging deep to see who they could find. And quite honestly, this is one of my favorite uh, X-Men artists. It's Joe Majera does the cover. He was really famous. He did a lot of the Age of Apocalypse, a lot of different – eras and i i thought what he brought was more of a um some people would call it cartoony more of a little over exaggerated to your point charlie kind of like the, the proportions are really exaggerated um but it's kind of more of a very dynamic style it's not like rob liefeld where he doesn't understand uh um how anatomy works and like muscles are, are on top of your pinkies but this is a little bit more of like it's it's <laughs> almost buckle. very 
it's more cartoonish than that grim and gritty, which which I enjoyed a lot. But this one right. was really the kickoff to um, a long storyline that led to Heroes Reborn, and that is the first appearance, unofficial first appearance of Onslaught, where he's mentioned oh, but gotcha. never saw, and basically that's who took out the Juggernaut. It was Onslaught. They thought he was dead. So um, this is kind of that kickoff, and it was kind of a big, you know, before the internet was really fully in in you know in full charge of the rumors and things like that and things getting spoiled you had to, what was it uh previews probably potentially said something about onslaught but we're like we don't know who onslaught is but yes this is the beginning of onslaught which basically triggered a lot of things in the x universe so um yeah i i, I like this this is where really comics kind of caught up you know i think we were on to like slick pages it was no longer right. on like newsprint you could see all the dots computer coloring things like that really took off and the level of uh quality in comics really took off so it was a good era i really enjoyed that time that's must be why the prices went up <laughs> absolutely yeah they did <laughs> things yeah. cost money so yeah i remember this this was you know comparatively my own reading i was starting to wax and wane at this point because this is where we were uh in the middle of the clone saga for spider-man which scared me off of being a serious reader for like 10 years after that, probably even longer until maybe until the, the, the ultimate uh, Spider-Man verse came along. But uh, I was still reading the Star Trek comics. It was a dark time for Star Wars comics because it was Dark Horse and it was, you know, Shadows of the Empire and uh, Dark Rain and just all this different stuff that we talk about over in Holocron Chronicles. But anyway, yes, the 90s, a, a lot of ups and downs for Marvel Comics indeed. Yes. So with that, we need to kick off this show, and we do that by checking in with our gal pal, our senior news correspondent. So without further delay, Madam Webb, take it away. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Well, Madam Webb, I know you were always asking to join the podcast, but I believe your cans with string do not translate to a good internet recording. So if you can ever get yourself one of those big old Hollywood microphones from the radio past, uh, you can eventually join us. Good, yes. Yeah, so ra- Radiotronics, wah, wah, wah. Good stuff. All right, what has she got for us this week? Oh, yes. First story is uh, essentially two bits. We got a trailer, the official trailer for uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. This is coming to Netflix May 21st and also coming to select theaters as well as um, Netflix is trying to actually put movies in the theater and then get them direct to Netflix after that. Um, But this movie is essentially an original story where it's a zombie movie tied in with a bank heist essentially uh it's post-apocalypse las vegas zombies have basically been cordoned off into las vegas and they're not allowed out basically penned in and uh vegas is in shambles well there's a lot of money still in vegas and so this mysterious gentleman finds dave batista as a cook at a diner apparently he's a guy that does certain things uh he has certain abilities to do crimes He's basically told they'll give him $50 million if he'll pull off a heist. So he gets his team together, including Tignataro, um, to basically go in on a heist and take on, uh, apparently no one knew this, but an army of really intelligent, really fast zombies, including a zombie horse and tiger. Yeah. And the, the tiger was the one that blew my mind away. Um, yeah, this is, uh, and again, this is Zack Snyder, so this is uh, a, this is riffing on 
one of the only things he ever did that I enjoyed, which was the the Dawn of the Dead in oh seven, oh four, oh four, oh four, two thousand and four. Yeah. Which was it was Ving Rhames and it was some forgettable blonde chick, and it was a but it was uh, what's his butt who was on Modern Family, but he was he was a real dickhead, and so and uh, Matt Frewer, Matt Frewer was in it. Matt Frew, blah blah blah. Max Headroom, he was in it. So I love that. I thought it was I thought it was a cool take. Um, you have your fast running zombies, which you don't, which, you know, it, it's a toss up to say, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Well, what, what does anything make any sense about a reanimated corpse as far as how it would move? I mean, it couldn't move around because it was decomposing. So it would fall apart or whatever. So could it walk? Could it run? Could it shamble? Could it see anything? It's all a toss up, but this looks like, I mean, do you think this is going to be a serious take? Is this going to be a comedic take? Is this going to be a mixture in some fashion? I mean, what do you think? I think this is just going to have him having a lot of fun doing, like I said, like a, a heist with a zombie film. He's never done a heist film, but he's done a zombie film. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and this is, to me, I was a little scared because this is going to be an original property, his story, his script. Last time we did that was Sucker Punch, and that was absolute mm-hmm. trash. But I'm thinking sticking with something that's a little bit more clear cut. Right. He can enjoy doing his over-the-top editing, you know, really crowd-pleasing like effects and things like that, and just have fun with it. Um, I don't know if he's worked with any of these these actors before. Um, and quite honestly, the list of actors in this beyond Dave Bautista and Tignataro, who's a comedian, are relative unknowns. So really, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't put the money into the to to the cast. But um, I think it's just going to be fun. Um, Dave Bautista has not really been a leading man. He's he's been in some movies as leading man, but none have like really nailed it. So maybe this is better in his uh, more in more in his wheelhouse. Um, but I was surprised the budget for this is seventy million dollars. So this is leaning into like an actual like theatrical budget style film. And I think this could be really big. I mean, Netflix has not had a big winner of a movie. Um, so maybe this is their breakout. Yeah. And then, like I was saying to you in the pre-roll, it still just kind of boggles my mind a little bit about how do these movies get made? You know, how, what are the metrics that determine their success? Like, Oh, it had X number of downloads or X number of plays, but how does that really translate monetarily? And what you were sharing with me is that it was your considered opinion that they're really looking to build a library that keeps people engaged. They're like, Oh, I like Netflix because, or kind of the fire and forget. Well, I'm always going to have Netflix because X, Y, Z, or I'm always going to have Disney plus because X, Y, Z, they have all the Marvel stuff. They are producing original Star Wars content. They're doing this thing. They're doing that thing. So, um, but again, in, in this modern world, when you say, oh, you know, it was a blockbuster film and it made, you know, a billion dollars, you know, or $2 billion like the Avengers did, those days are not, I'm not saying they're gone, but they may be gone. When the when people start going back to theaters, who really knows what that's going to look like? You know what I mean? With With such a transformative, now over a year of all of us, taking in, you know, content sitting on our couches, you know what I mean? And becoming with how nice that is to, you know, get up and have a a, a break to go to the bathroom or to get dinner or blah, 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 or pause it and come back later. So uh, venturing out to the theater, who knows what that's going to look like. So again, I think this looks like fun. I enjoyed the Dawn of the Dead. You know, Zack Snyder has some cred, at least for me, because of the Justice League release, which we really liked. So this will be a good time, and we can watch it anyway because, again, Netflix is just one of those. I'm, so, you know, you're just kind of subscribed to it for life. 
Yeah, and folks, before you say, um, well, is there going to be a Snyder cut of this? Which is kind of funny. It just becomes like, it should not be the question, did, did, is there always going to be a director's cut? Because typically what the directors put in the movie is what they want it to be. Apparently in this, he said, nope, this is it. This is the movie I wanted to make. There's no other cuts of the movie. He said this, so please do not put out there, I want the Snyder cut of this movie, because at this point it's just being ridiculous and it's becoming like almost like a, a meme at this point. But I, I apparently, though, they are making a prequel anime to this, maybe to give a little more history of like how all these things happened, how the world became over, you know, over with zombies, which is perfectly fine. If you want that type of content, it'll be on uh, Netflix as well. So he definitely could build a world of projects within this universe within Netflix, and that makes probably a lot of sense. But to your point, Charlie, um, it'll be interesting to see what type of movies can get released theatrically and which will just go to Netflix or a streaming service. Because right. I don't know if people are that excited about spending money when they can see most of these films on a streaming service for 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 free or, you know, six for, bucks a month. Yeah. Well, for, yeah, for pennies by the by the download or pennies by the stream. You know, but, and again, you can watch it any time of the day. You don't have to go out. It's not, you know, the expense is reduced. And, you know, for people like me who are unemployed because of Corona, um, you know, people are people are trying to control their expenses. So that's mm-hmm. that's part of it as well. So very interesting. Well, so this is May 21 that this comes out. Absolutely. Yeah. So Looking I don't know if that's a, what is that? Is that a Friday? What is that? Uh, I don't like uh, yeah. my, my May. Yeah. That's a that's a Friday. Yeah. I was gonna say, I don't, yeah. I think that Friday seems to be a. A consistent day for streaming releases. It's a movie date, right? You're, yeah, you know, well, calling the yeah. weekend, starting the weekend off with a movie date. Why not? Right, and is you know, in the, the, a lot of the streaming shows, the, the Marvel ones kind of come out on a Friday. The Mandalorian came out on a Friday. I think Star Star Trek is Thursday, so I don't know. Kick off the weekend, I suppose. Well, speaking of kicking off the weekend with streaming projects and and things thought long dead back in uh, 2012, the uh, Dynasty uh, maker that is Seth Green, who was uh, the genesis behind Robot Chicken and, of course, being on Family Guy, the uh, just absolutely total mixed bag of their Star Wars spoofs, which I talked about with uh, with uh, Rich and Paul a few weeks ago on Great Disturbances. Um, back in 2012, he was the mind behind Star Wars Detours, which was a CGI uh, kind of overly exaggerated. You can tell just by this picture of uh, Vader with the Emperor up top, where Vader looks like he's, you know, crazy bodybuilder, and the Emperor kind of looks like he's a twig. So it's like it's like the reverse of Rocket and Groot. Um, but yeah, uh, Detours was uh, rolled out, uh, was announced in 2012 at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, 39 episodes were replaced, and then the Disney transition happened, and Disney bought it and stuck it up on a shelf. Well, guess what? Now it's starting to look like this could find its way into Disney Plus, which I remember how bummed out I was when I heard about this and then found out that it was shelved because I thought it sounded like a lot of fun. There was uh, there were a, a trailer or trailers associated with it, which I remembered watching and thinking, you know, that looks like a good time. Um, I mean, and, uh, you know, brought back a lot of original um, voice talent, Anthony Daniels and C-3PO, of course. Uh, Ahmed Best is Jar Jar Binks. Chad Felicia Day, Donald Faison, uh, Seth Green, of course. Uh, Zachary Levi, Joel McHale, Brecken Meyer. So you got a lot of the kind of the same people that, that Seth Green always works with. Uh, Andy Richter, Cree Summer. Um, so yeah, so, uh, Billy D is, is Lando. Weird Al is Forlom. Gray DeLisi, who is a, a voice actress that's in a ton of stuff. And of course, Seth MacFarlane as Papa Palpatine. So uh, this is, I, I am all for this. This sounds like a blast. 
Um, but again, according to the Vulcan reporter, Todd, where did you, where did you source this? The Vulcan. This oh, was, it's been on many, many different websites. This came from Spock. This is a Spock. Uh, so anyway, we could be seeing this on uh, May the 4th, which inch, which I, I, that kind of makes me question because that's the day the Bad Batch is supposed to come out. So I don't know that well, they Well, I don't think debuting there may be announced that, that it's going to come out. Oh, very good. That's a good point. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that sounds – so I'm, I'm all for this. You don't trust a Star Trek news source that, that, that uh, puts so up that Star Wars news? Star Wars news? Why should I? I you know what? I just, I just don't believe anything anymore. Vulcan so, would never lie, Charlie. Vul- a, yes. That that is that is the lie that Vulcans tell people is that Vulcans. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we can lie. <laughs> is that a yeah. lie? I don't know. Could, could be. Lie. I don't know. So anyway, yeah, I, I, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Star Wars is without a doubt uh, something that, and it's funny, even quotes in this article that it says that it was shelved uh, because Disney wanted to take on more serious projects. I think we all feel like potentially Star Wars takes itself too seriously, and they should have a little bit more fun. Uh, much like uh, Star Trek does with Lower Decks, in my opinion. So this could be a welcome shift into that. So I, I totally welcome it. Yeah, this is now – if, if it does debut, this is like nine years old. <laughs> so I don't know how well this is aged. This is pre the, 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 you know, the Skywalker uh, trilogy um, ending. So it doesn't have any of that source material. So this is going to be what? Prequels, the original uh, trilogy – and maybe some Clone Wars, because there was Clone Wars at that point. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they actually can cover. Um, the This is basically um, uh, robot chicken, but with uh, computer animation, essentially, because right. of the staff and the creative people. Um, my worry is this. I mean, and, and I'm not sure how they're going to release it. I mean, these are 30 new op- 39 episodes. Are they going to drop them weekly? Because this is all brand new content nobody's ever seen. So it's not like you just dump it like it's a series people have already seen before. That's a lot right. of content. So maybe they cut it up into like seasons. Maybe they'll have like every Friday for, you know, six months and then they hold off and then they make like a, a second season next year, drop more episodes, really draw it out. But I mean, that may- makes sense because, you know, essentially, like right. I said, it's a lot of new content that people have not seen, even though it's old. My worry is, though, Star Wars comedy, unfortunately, feels very dated, and it's the same jokes over and over and over again. We've seen it on The Simpsons. We've seen it on mean, Muppet Babies. Let, we've seen let, me get, let me guess, is there going to be something about the droids you're looking for? Like the worst Star Trek? Never. Thing? Never, Charlie. No. I'll never do that joke. What are, some, no. what, are some, what are some other great cliches? Luke, I am your father, which is not the line. Uh, Absolutely. But like, like Chewbacca will pull arms off somebody. That happens at least once an episode. You'll have Darth Vader and uh, and Palpatine, uh, you know, basically office antics, you know, like bad boss and things like that. Ha, ha, ha. Um, yeah. I mean, you'll just get a lot of the same humor pulled out of that, what, you know, original six hours of star wars movies <laughs> they seem to right. have a yeah. lot so yeah, maybe a lot of yoda like yoda's grammar lessons i don't know um but yeah i mean we've seen a lot of that and we had like what family guy already did that we had robot chicken did their own star wars episode so that's what i worried i worry about this and, and because this was going to be star wars centric i don't know how like saucy they can get this isn't right. exactly like you know they're gonna do family guy uh, or american dad like Ooh, did they just do that? Did they just get away with a really racist joke or really sexist joke or really? Right. Joke? Yeah, so it might just be really milk toast and kind of lame humor, like dad humor, you know? So, mm, right. It'll make the kids laugh. 
Very interesting. So anyway, yeah, I look forward uh, to this. And again, May the 4th is, is only a couple of weeks away. That, of course, being, uh, you know, the the like like Star Trek Day or First Contact Day yeah. was for Star Trek just recently, uh, where you end up seeing a lot of drops and treats and news and stuff like that. So I look forward to it regardless. Yeah, I know it'll make a lot of people happy. And uh, I, I if it's good, I'll watch. We'll, we'll see. We'll get reviews of it. And uh, it'll probably make a lot of people very happy that there's new Star Wars content. Uh, next story, uh, the Batman TV spinoff will reportedly focus on James Gordon. Does that seem like deja vu to you, Charlie? Yeah, didn't, wasn't that uh, not, not Gotham, but wasn't there some other show that was? Oh, I was thinking of one that was really focused on Alfred. Oh, that was yeah, Pennyworth. Pennyworth on Epic. Pennyworth. On, is yeah. Epic's an even a real channel? Nobody knows. Well, I was going to say, that's why nobody has any idea. That's why no one has ever seen it, nor will they ever until somebody buys it up. So it'll be on HBO Max, right? Because it's a Warner Brothers property, probably. So. Uh, absolutely. I, they made some deals like where they had like Gotham on Fox and um, obviously have the CW shows. But yeah, this is going to be an HBO Max jam. And the interesting part about this is it's obviously going to be tied into the Batman movie that's coming out in. 2022 i believe and it's going to be focused on uh james gordon who apparently it'll still be uh, focused with the same cast this will star jeffrey wright basically as a prequel to the world of the batman movie uh, loosely based on the comic book gcpd jotham city police department which was a comic book series by uh ed brubaker back in the day um, where they basically kind of explore some of the origins of the criminals, but not including really Batman at all. So um, this could work. Uh, it could be good. The problem with Gotham was that, you know, it was kind of similar to that, but I always said Gotham is really three different stories. It's James Gordon. This is kind of his origin story. Uh, the origin story of Bruce Wayne becoming Bat- Batman as a young, ch- as a young child along with Catwoman. And then really it became more after that, focused on the villains it was really origin stories of all the villains and really focused on them so it was doing multiple things it was also on fox so there were some issues there this the show's tone went from really deadly serious to really campy and weird so it was uneven at points but was still highly entertaining um this though this could be interesting i think this is what hbo max wants to do they want to take their uh movies and also then expand them into TV, similar to what you're seeing with the Suicide Squad and the Peacemaker series, which is coming out as well. Um, so this makes a lot of sense. I mean, Mar- Disney Plus is doing this with the MCU properties now. Um, so it's really expanding that audience and building those characters and giving them more room to breathe rather than just a two-hour movie. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this. Is Jeffrey Wright's a fantastic actor. So I, I'm right, all in yes. Absolutely. And he has – does he have some kind of role in the MCU? Wasn't he in something or other? Uh, he was in the Hunger Games. He's been in a bunch of other things. He's played heavies. He was also in uh, um, Westworld. I mean, no, no. I mean, I, I know all that. I was. I'm I was not sure if he ever was a character in the MCU. Yeah, I was trying one. to figure out if he got slid in the MCU at some juncture. So I don't know. But yeah, no, that's awesome. So it's good. world world building is uh, without a doubt um, something of note. Uh, I am interested to see what Pattinson's take uh, on Batman will be. Of course. Uh, all the neckbeards hate the fact that he was a sparkly vampire once upon a time. I couldn't care less. The man is an accomplished actor. And since we've not seen what this looks like, why don't we just let the art wash over us, as it were, and just try to enjoy it instead of picking it apart? So uh, that will always be our approach here at Secret Friends, if I may be so bold. We prefer to see things, not talk about things we haven't seen. 
Until we prejudge until, them and get angry. Until, until we can post-judge them, yes. Yes, exactly. We try to. We try to. So moving on, uh, we got a little blurb here from Alex Kurtzman, head of, and I just love this, Star Trek Universe Television, because that is all all of Star Trek has now fallen under a single banner uh, under Paramount+. Plus. We are entering uh, what I really feel like is a second golden age uh, that even COVID really couldn't slow down because, yes, like every program, it was delayed. Uh, but we're coming back, uh, you know, like a fire hose. We've got, you know, August is going to give us uh, season two of Lower Decks. Uh, we have our first uh, animated property uh, for children, specifically for children, uh, called Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, which is supposed to release sometime this year. And there was, uh, I was listening to the trekmovie.com podcast and they're talking about uh, how uh, Viacom CBS is positioning it to be the marketing engine that will drive Star Trek into the future, which makes perfect sense because it's geared towards children. And, you know, you get them young, get them young, get them interested, and then, and then introduce them slowly to the other 800 hours of Star Trek that exist. Uh, but anyway, Kurtzman says in this interview that the line between movies and television uh, has been erased, which is something uh, in Star Trek that has not been the case uh, since the, the early 2000s when we got our last uh, feature film. Uh, which was Star Trek Nemesis, and the less said about that, the better. Uh, and the the cancellation of Star Trek Enterprise kind of ended that twenty, you know, that, that twenty year run uh, of you know beginning of TNG to the the ending of Enterprise. So, uh, and, and then you know we did get JJ coming, JJ uh, Abrams coming back in the the late aughts, I think, in two thousand nine. He gave us three Star Trek movies. I know a lot of people who appreciate them. I'm really not one of them. Um, but by that point, with CBS and Viacom having fractured, you had Star Trek movies that in no way connected to anything on television, which ironically, there was nothing on television. The last uh, Star Trek film came out in 2016. Uh, the, the first program that we got uh, after Enterprise went off the air in 2005 uh, was uh, came out in 2017, which was Discovery. Uh, and so, yes, the, the, the two have not coexisted together, but now they have a chance to do exactly that under this great big Star Trek banner. So this is awesome news to me. Uh, of course, I spearhead a, a podcast every Monday called Code 47, uh, which talks about Star Trek with my friends uh, Aaron and Rich. Uh, hopefully you listen. Uh, so this will obviously uh, be something that we will be talking about really, really in depth. Not in this week's episode, but probably next week's episode. Um, but this is great stuff. And, I, you know, and again, Kurtzman has been uh, involved since back during that Kelvin timeline of the J.J. movies. Um, but he's really taken the head uh, of uh, modern programs like Lower Decks and Discovery and Picard, Strange New Worlds, which is going to be coming up, The Adventures of Captain Pike. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Star Trek Prodigy, as we had mentioned. So good stuff. For Star Trek running forward into a nice, cohesive uh, movie and television outlay the, the way that, again, we had in the 1990s. So this is good stuff to me. Uh, it is weird um, because, yeah, you, you typically did not get a lot of overlap between Star Trek films and the TV series, or it was just a continuation of the TV series, and they really didn't overlap with what was going on in the other TV series. So, you, you know, Next Generation had a movie, but Voyager was doing its own thing. You didn't have a lot of commingling. Now you potentially could because they could take ideas from a TV series and expand them, 
or do something else and vice versa. Something happens in a movie could happen in a TV series in the future. It's kind of cool that that's happening. Uh, we do kind of have a little bit of overlap from the Kelvin universe into Picard, right, Charlie? Because we have the whole Vulcan world uh, issue. So that's kind of a continuity the, the, thing there. The, the rhyme, you know, it, it was really only at a peripheral level. The, the whole uh, thing that set up the Kelvin universe is that uh, at a point in the future, you know, fifteen, I think 15 years after the last after Nemesis, the uh, there was a star that went Nova in the Romulan system, and it was going to wipe out the Romulan homeworld. And Spock developed this red matter, which could uh, basically make this supernova stop in its tracks. But, you know, something went wrong. Yep. The Nova went off early, and Spock got thrown back in time. It created an alternate, and so did the villainous character, uh, who was Eric Bana's Nero. Uh, and by doing that, created an alternate universe. Uh, which which was the Kelvin storyline. So only at a peripheral level, you're right, because those were events that happened in, quote-unquote, the prime timeline, which moving forward into Picard and everything else is what is what we're still dealing with. So yeah. it, it was, an element of it did include it, but not really anything core to the story. Yeah, so, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, um, this could be good. Um, we don't know what this movie will be that's going to happen, but once again, if they're, if it's all one house now, then... If they've got a good idea and, and Kurtzman gets to be behind that, then it's one vision. Now, if they hopefully what we don't have is somebody else comes in out of the blue, like, I don't know, Max Brooks or, you know, J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams again. Or what's the other guys? Oh, Mick G. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gets God. Brought, yeah, gets brought in to do something that could be a little weird. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if there's an idea that makes sense in a movie format, why not? Um, because if we don't we don't have this or that anymore. We have both. And that is right. awesome. So we're going to get yeah. great Star Trek television, and hopefully we'll get even better Star Trek movies. And we're not like, uh, not hoping that Star Trek just survives anymore. It's flourishing, right. and you can have a failure, and right. it doesn't mean that the rest will be affected. So it's good. Ex exactly correct. Good stuff. Okay, moving on. What's next? Yeah, this is interesting. You know, we've got a great uh, series right now. We're going to talk about uh, – uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier in what we've been watching in the Geek Easy. But uh, there's a little bit of a, a storyline that is a little bit of bittersweet in regards to this. Mm. Because what we've been seeing with the MCU and, and the history of Marvel and basically big publishers is essentially even if you created these ideas as a creator, all the stuff you do at Marvel or DC is work for hire. Mm -hmm. You're not essentially being asked – uh, your permission to use any of these ideas and other other properties, movies, TV, whatever, uh, underwear ads. I don't know. Uh, it's just out there. Uh, energy drinks for Marvel. Um, all so your ideas. It, basically so it it wasn't basically like the Blunt Man and Chronic or the 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 plot line of the Jay and Silent Bob Straight Back movie. Yeah, exactly. You you've, you yes. sold your rights away, and they can do anything with those characters. Yeah, unless you signed a very specific deal with Marvel, typically their their contracts for uh for writers and artists are it's work for hire. You basically get to uh, play with these characters, but you don't own the ideas you created. You basically get a credit buy, but you don't necessarily get uh, payment for that. Um, and it's very similar. My wife does that. She's a contract writer in her spare time for a publisher. And even though she creates characters and creates stories, um, basically – she doesn't make any more money off of it. She signed a contract, and this is what it was a flat fee, and then she's happy to get it. It's work, it's notoriety, but beyond that, that's where it all ends. Um, so I know that frustrates people because this is what this is coming out of, though, is Ed Brubaker, who essentially, I would say, reestablished 
Cap is a really cool character where he kind of was lacking heat uh, with the Winter Soldier storyline and all that that great iconic storyline of Captain America. All of his ideas are kind of being used in Civil War and all these other uh, media now, especially in the Winter Soldier. And he is not making a cent. He said he made more money off a cameo as an actor than he did for his ideas in any of the Marvel MCU properties. I mean, that, that sucks. And this was, um, uh, kind of, uh, gives me shades of, uh, Batman, uh, who was created by, I'm drawing blank. Who's the Bob dude? Who Kane. Bob Kane, but it was Bill Finger, who was the artist. Yes. Yep. Who got, who completely got the shaft and you, you don't know anything. Similar about to name. Kirby, right? With Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah, there there was one guy whose ambition, or rather, I, sh- I should say, business acumen or maneuvering, positioned him or herself, himself in this regard, particularly back in the day, uh, to a point where they they got the bucks, they got the notoriety, uh, because they were one half, you know, they're one half of a creative duo. They created something, wrote about something, and someone else uh, put pencil to paper in order to create it, and. Uh, that person didn't get their just due. So, yes, you're right. It's a shame. Um, but like you said, uh, I'm sure that those contracts are very boilerplate. They're very standard uh, in an industry like this. So it's not like, oh, he's he's getting screwed. And, you know, I, he may be getting screwed, but he also it's it's kind of what he signed up for, unfortunately. Um, but but it's but it, but it sucks. But, yeah, even getting a very special thanks to uh, credit at the end doesn't, you know, doesn't put bread on the table. So it, it's it's a bummer, but it's, it's bittersweet. But it's it's the business, I'm sure. Absolutely. This isn't the old days like Jack Kirby and, and things like that where you didn't know any better or you didn't have any other options. Um, now, self-publishing and publishing under a banner like Image where you can take your, your properties there and you ain't retain the rights and you can make deals separately. So this isn't a – but you know, quite honestly, to get noticed, sometimes you have to start with characters that are that are well more well-known than you are. And if you're a great writer, you can use that as a uh, uh, basically a, 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 uh, a step-off point to, to get even do bigger and better things. Things. So it's 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 one of those, um, you know, the what is it, Faustian deals where you're doing it, but you may not you may get notoriety, but you your your stuff will get more more uh, uh, publicity than you do. Um, and he even has a quote in here. He says, Brubaker adds, I probably will watch it at some point. I'm conflicted about it because, like, I knew going in it was work for hire. But also when I was writing it, they didn't have their own movie studio and weren't owned by Disney. So the idea that this character would go on to be a huge franchise where kids would come trick-or-treating at my house dressed as him, dot, dot, dot. You're writing Captain America. <laughs> he already was a big deal. And, uh, you know, yeah, there was they weren't owned by Disney, but they were starting to make movies under Paramount, you know, uh, basically. And, and basically those pre-movies, Iron Man, things like that. So you knew that was going to snowball. And there was always an opportunity. Those characters would be in cartoons, video games and such. So, um, yeah, I, I get right. this. It's frustrating. Um, but ultimately – and Brubaker's done stuff at, with, with creator-owned on, on Image as well. So – um, he has the opportunity to make money elsewhere, so I, I hope this works out better in the future. But it's really, if you're gonna work with Marvel, you have to understand what you're working with, and I think that's right. and and it's just that's the way it is. I don't think any contract is gonna change in the future, um, unless you have the, unless you're a big big name and you right. can come up and, and demand it. But I don't right. know. They're they're owned by Disney, and Disney's like, who cares? Well, yeah, that's just yeah. the thing. It's just like, yeah, Disney is not going to bend the knee to anyone because they're Disney. They're making they're making all the entertainment that is that has really got the buzz for 
you know, individuals and families and fanboys alike the world over. So, you know, who are they really going to care about this kind of stuff? So it's unfortunate, but again, it's just, it's, it's, it's business. I was Absolutely. Trying to, I was yep. trying to sound like Watto from Star Wars. Oh, it's thank you, Watto. It's business. Yes, there yes, you go. Yes, yes. Uh, lastly, Charlie, one more story uh, that potentially is going to finally happen. You know, I mean, this one kind of cuts to the quick for me because Indiana Jones uh, has always been my hero. You know, that was one of the first movies I ever saw when I was a kid. Uh, idolized the character. I cosplay as the character. I've gotten a lot of, you know, kind of notoriety for doing that in the last couple of years. I love it. Um, but I mean, you and I both know the last Indiana Jones, but first of all, it was a great trilogy. Uh, they came out, they came out entirely in the eighties, 81, 84, 89. And then, and then it was done. Then there was, you know, there was a TV show that was really, didn't, didn't really blow anybody skirt up. It was, you know, little, little telefilms and stuff about Indy as a kid getting into, you know, historical misadventures and then nothing for a long time. Then in 2008, I'm thinking, we got a uh, a return uh, to the silver screen of Indiana Jones, uh, and again they they aged the character appropriately. So just so you know, to do the math, uh, the character of Indiana Jones was born in uh, Princeton, New Jersey, 1899. So when he appeared in uh, the Crystal, you know, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which was set in 1958, you know, he's almost 60 years old. So they're keeping the character's age appropriate to when he, you know, what he, what he really can look like. So, you know, this next film, you could imagine that it would be set in the late sixties or the seventies or something like that. Well, but if they're going to age it appropriately, it's going to be 15 years later. Um, so then you're talking about that is getting into the seventies then. Exactly. Well, I, I, it seems like I just said that. I don't know. You said sixties. I so. said the sixties or the seventies. Well, if we're going, it has to be seventies, really. Cause then you don't follow the age. But again, I don't know how old Harrison Ford really was in 2008. I don't know that he was. Well, he's he's well, he's 80. He's going to be 80 when this movie comes out. Right. Exactly. So yeah. that being said, this could this could be 80 or 81 if they wanted to keep it to the yeah, list. They want to be realistic. Yeah. But, um, you know, so to me, how many action heroes do you see in a movie when they're 80 years old? You don't. You don't. I mean, you know, it's I, not actually. It's yeah, it's it, well, the old men. I think you're the one who said <laughs> you're remarking when Harrison Ford appeared uh, in uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens back in 2015. You made mention of his pained running, <laughs> which uh, sadly, as as Han Solo, his other you know very iconic, obviously genre character, um, that doesn't necessarily mean this is going to be a terrible movie. But anyway, this article kind of following up on the heels that uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is a Wonderful actress and comedian. Have you watched? Uh, did you ever get around to watching Fleabag, Todd? Does I have not, up? but I've heard good things apparently. And we, she we was enjoy- a voice, She's a voice in one of the Star Wars films. Yeah, she was. Uh, I she saw it there live. Yeah, she, I find her to be very amusing. Fleabag was very amusing. It's only six episodes, so it's it's an easy something yeah. easy to divide. So that was great. That was news a week or so ago. Now we're getting Mads Mikkelsen, another. Uh, newer Star Wars actor. Obviously, he was Galen Erso in Rogue One, so he was the dad. Um, Great talent coming in to do this movie, but again, I just I, I crinkle at the fact that that Harrison Ford is just for a very physical role, uh, and thank God he's not like Tom Cruise because he would probably do a stunt that he would just he would explode or something like that. Well, as long as he doesn't fly a plane for real, he'll yeah. <laughs> he'll exactly. Oh God, yes, break break his ankle on the Millennium Falcon's door that which was something that really happened in the filming The Force Awakens, but you know. I, I'm excited to hear about great talent coming their way. 
it'll be interesting to see what their take is. Is he going to be fighting Nazis in Argentina? You know, because again, that was that was your other take last time we talked about this, Todd, is that the movies where he fights the Nazis, those are the great ones because there's been four movies and in two of them he fights Nazis and in two of them he doesn't. And which ones are the good ones? Nazis. Nazis. So I know what's your take on Indy Edge? Am I am I being too grumpy here? Is there is no, there a lining to this? No, it's, it's it it is interesting. And we did hear um, that um, John Williams is going to actually uh, it's probably going to yes. be his last films. He's going to he's going to score this, which is great. Um, right. Even though we aren't going to have Steven Spielberg doing this, it's actually going to be James Mangold who did Logan. So it's kind of like James Mangold did the last Wolverine film. Maybe he'll do the last indie film with Indiana Jones. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I think they have to change this up. And James Mangold might be able to give it the change that we need, like we did, we had with Logan, um, where he basically they turn to different cast members really, uh, you know, carrying the weight of this. Phoebe Waller-Bridge makes, makes perfect sense to be kind of that comedic, um, different take. Women's rights, you know, women having more uh, ability to do whatever they want. Maybe that's where they, they tilt it. Basically, she's, she's one like... Sit back, old man. I'll take this. And kind of like Harrison Ford, you know, what we think of Sean Connery in uh, The Last Crusade. Maybe that's more of the role that Harrison Ford will have in this is more of a sitting back and watching things happen as the world progresses. You know, Mads Mikkelsen, he plays a lot of villains. He didn't in Rogue One, but maybe he does in this one. Maybe he also plays another character that's a good supporting character where they're doing the heavy lifting. Maybe that's a whole thing that maybe Indiana Jones finally accepts it. You know, there, there's a next generation of people that will do the work that he's done, and that's could be changed. I don't want necessarily Mads Mikkelsen to have to be the bad guy again. It'd be great to see him do a turn to be a good guy. Maybe Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the bad guy. They could do a lot of cool things right. with this that we haven't expecting, and I hope. And people have said maybe they do a spinoff of Indiana Jones versus being an Indiana Jones. It's that world with other characters that are iconic and interesting, and they can do their own thing. Kind of like how we got the Scorpion King and how we got the Rock. Oh man, Jeez, the, <laughs> the absolute worst CGI known to man. Yes. Oh, God, the Scorpion. Yes. It was kind of his face. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, it can't be worse than Crystal Skull because once again, it was just that it just it just didn't work. And I felt like Steven Spielberg just doesn't know how to make those type of movies anymore. He's kind of doing more. He just he's kind of lost his way in having fun. So maybe this is where we can get a different era and maybe a closing of the Indiana Jones proper and we can do different things. And maybe in another five to ten years, we essentially do a reboot Indiana Jones we haven't forgot Harrison Ford, but we do movies of Indiana Jones in his prime with a different actor playing him. Right. Chris Pratt. Make it happen. Perfect. Yeah, whoever. You know, oh, they, God. It could work. It could, great. James, if it works for James Bond, why can't it work for Indiana Jones? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know why they're so stuck on it. So anyway, that's a wrap on that. That's all the news we got. So, Todd, where are we going now? The Geek Easy is now offering vaccine shots and fun times so let's go talk nerdy to me talk nerdy to me we're sitting in the geek easy the covid vaccine shots are poured and we are ready to get our nerd on it's a shot for a shot that's right charlie so you have watched and i have watched falcon the soldier Part five. Woo, the wet snap. <laughs> the wet nap. <laughs> the, the wet snap when referring uh, to what uh, what happens at John Walker. But oh, my goodness. Yeah, this uh, 
you know, and, and again, I've watched a couple of breakdown videos kind of subsequently. But, uh, yeah, John Walker just absolutely, you know, following obviously what was on episode four where his, his partner was killed in the line of duty. Uh, Walker had illicitly taken the super soldier serum. Uh, it was not going so great with his brain because don't forget it was Stanley Tucci who said good becomes great. Bad becomes worse when someone takes that serum. So um, so Walker kind of being an insecure dipshit, which I think is what I called him last week, and I stand by that. Now he's a murderous insecure dipshit. Um, he, he runs off, and uh, Buck and uh, Falcon have to chase him down. Uh, they're urging him to surrender himself and to give up the shield, and it turns into a it turns into a bloody punch up, as they might say in Australia. Uh, and yeah, it was it was quite a sling fest. But yeah, at the end of it, to get the shield away from him, uh, they have to break his arm to take it off. And oh, I just remember just reacting very viscerally, like ah. When it goes down like I that. I thought they were but, like kind of ripping his skin off because it made its way. It sounds like like are they yeah. ripping his his skin off? Because yeah, it, and it's interesting. It's still a bunch of like leather straps, right? Um, which I don't understand how they can like it can go in very well. I think well, somebody I, mentioned it was like a magnetic like attachment that it, they use it, in the comics or something. That makes more it, sense yeah. in this case. And that goes way back. And it's funny. I have have had a couple of prop shields because Cap is a cosplay. I do, and it is the. The, the strap is it's very monotonous to hold on to it because your arm gets real, real tired because the even a big a plastic one to scale is still pretty damn heavy to hold this big 24 inch, you know, disc. Uh, yeah, so exactly. So so anyway, Walker, you know, they do that uh, and, you know, they, they get Walker into custody. He goes up before the Joint Chiefs. They strip him of his title. They throw him out of the army and he just basically has a meltdown, um, uh, you know, right there right there on the stand. Uh, and so he and his wife walk out. He's sitting like, oh, Johnny, it's too bad, blah, blah, blah. First of all, I'm pretty sure if he got all dudded up in his proper uniform, he would still have a shave. Why is he Captain Scruff? He's scruffy through this whole thing. Yeah, Steve, that's a that's a weird point. Steve, yeah. Steve was never scruffy. Does he have a, does he have a waving or a shaving shit as they used to say? Basically, if you <laughs> broke out in the the if you basically you would get that. Basically, it was a medical waiver to shave. Maybe he yeah. had that. Maybe he's got some some fleas or something. Oh God! So, um, yeah, because even you know Steve never had any stubble until he was you know captain on the run. Uh, Can I just his... call him Captain Underbite? Because he has got an underbite. That is what I call him <laughs> when we're watching the show, Captain. Oh underbite. God! Yes, yes. Uh, or know. he looks like the guy from Up when he's wearing the the the. the <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Captain up. Maybe that's his Charlie. Maybe that's his origin story. He becomes the man, the old man from up. Or what if it was some kind of weird, like use of the stones that got tra- transported back in time, you know, into a Pixar film makes sense. Exactly. He passed through the, the nexus of the Pixar film, you so. know, and I have to say a soldier kills someone regardless of whatever. And when we saw it on screen, you would get court martialed. If they don't take in account your record. It's kind of yeah. like your record doesn't get. It's like one one oh shit gets rid of a lot of attaboys, as they used to yeah. say. Yeah, you don't get away with that. He was unarmed and you killed him horribly. Um, yeah, that just seems like a a, a lack of uh, uh, thought. But man, this episode, Charlie, it, it had a little bit of action, but the rest was all like, let's build a boat, let's fix a boat. And it's funny, I, I think I turned to John, I, I was talking to John, and I said, you know, when I talk about this with Oxtra, he is going to bitch about the fact that it was a lot of talking. You know? I, no, I know no, it's not... just, it just became like, we got another episode, we got a lot of shit to do in one more episode. Is this going to be another instance where they rush 
everything in an hour, and it just feels like, wow, they rushed that because they had 30 minutes of fixing the boat. Well, I mean, you know, I understand what you're saying. I, I just think that's bad pacing. I think you can do that in a good way and not have to – I mean, I kind of feel I, like with WandaVision, I, yeah. Picard I did that. Yeah. It's like, guys, yeah. you don't you don't rush the last – turn of it because you've got a lot of stuff heavy stuff to do johnny walker's coming we got the 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 weird you know flag match smasher still doing it we got this new I mean, we even talked about this we've got the veep now as potentially yes, exactly a, yes. you know the, the 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 contessa who was uh i watched this episode with my friend miranda and i said this is a heritage back to the 60s uh a character from shield she was uh she was fury's right hand woman his lover and then i was i was watching a, another breakdown video today you know she she eventually became madam hydra but it was you know it was a plant so it's like she's a good guy but we're absolutely finding out through this that you know she's definitely tied in maybe with the power broker maybe with some hydra remnant but sharon is looking like she's the real villain because she brings Batrock back in uh Batrock is then hooking up with the with the flag smashers in new york where they're about ready to pass this you know, uh, this operation leg up or whatever it is to, to really kickstart helping out these folks, uh, f- who are display, you know, the displaced folks, which is what obviously the flag smashers are fighting, uh, having this, this global repatriation council, uh, do what they do and to reestablish old borders and all this different stuff. So a lot of, you know, geopolitical back and forth in this and in a lot of stuff, you know, in a lot of ways that kind of makes sense less, a lot of ways that in the real world just doesn't, um, but yeah, you're right. We see Walker at the end uh, after having going fully schizo. He's making himself a shield. It kind of reminds me of Donald Trump. You know, he's making himself a shield, just like I'm sure. You know, didn't Trump want to make himself a throne or something like that? Or I, I, I don't think he's ever made himself anything. I don't think he even make himself a ham sandwich or a meat yeah. sandwich. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because we're going down that path. Basically, we've got a lot of dangling threads of a plot that just seem to be like. How are you going to accomplish this in like 45 minutes? That's the that's my biggest beef. It just seems like you had five hours. You kind of took your time doing a lot of different things, which is great. I like characterization. I like building those things. It's great. It's just I hate it to be at the sacrifice of you rush the last chapter, which seems like a lot of shows just don't know how to do that, which I find is as a, a challenge to a, a good re, uh, resolution. Um, but we're going to get that. We, you know, you got John, you know, Johnny Walker is going to be potentially U S agent or something like that, where he's building his heavy S shield that uh, is not made of vibranium. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, Batrock coming back to kill Falcon. Uh, you know, somebody want, probably wants to kill Johnny Walker. We've got a lot of things coming to a head. Uh, we've got potentially a new uh, uniform for Falcon, Cap Falcon, whatever we're going to call him. Yes, Cap He's, he's kind of got the, the Wakanda special. And you know what's interesting is that when uh, this ties right back to Wakanda, when Steve Rogers had to give up the Captain America role and he adopted the black costume, which eventually goes back to Walker when Walker takes uh, the uh, identity of the U.S. agent after Steve Rogers returns the Captain America role. When Steve Rogers had the, the black outfit and was simply called the captain, his shield was it was pure vibranium and it came from Wakanda, which is what has always been the case with the shield uh, the Cap has. So, um, so it's interesting to see the Wakandans in the mix. Uh, so obviously they made him a fancy suit, so he's going to be kind of a Falcon, Captain America, Black Panther thing happening. 
Yeah, I think somebody Bill said that they're probably going to use that technology where, um, you know, the, the Black Panther, when you'd put force against the right, yeah, it's, yeah, orbit, exactly. which would make right. a lot of sense, because like I've said, Cap had super superhuman abilities in Falcon still doesn't have that. And when you can get a super right. soldier ripping off your wings, right. uh, that puts you at odds and makes you another Johnny Walker that potentially makes you desperate. So doing something more like that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Vibranium just can't be torn off. Um, I, I think that could make a, a good step forward. So essentially we don't know what's going to happen with our heroes because, you know, I think Bucky now is going to, make some more amends as we've seen uh i apparently sam now is the american uh ninja warrior with his shield doing all this training and like i said oh, i don't the shield doing, works doing flips and shit it, yeah. you know it, uh, don't you remember peter parker said oh that thing does not obey the law of physics no, it, ju- it just doesn't it just no. doesn't it's kind of my apparently Falcon can throw it as hard as cap could because that's part of a thing yeah so i guess it, yes it's pretty and and when you're doing flips and shit and you're going for a run and yeah i mean uh, i mean this was this was a two montage worthy episode because it was fixing the boat which i agree with you is somewhat superfluous I it was uh, fun. yeah it was fun but i mean i'd rather yeah. have more of the development of where we're gonna get in the next you know 50 minutes right. yeah we, we well, I mean, who knows? That last episode might be two hours long with only 47 minutes of uh, credits. <laughs> yeah. So, Charlie, qu- really quick, should we have some predictions on what's going to happen? Um, well, I mean, the, the most obvious is going to be the uh, Bucky, Cap, Falk, Walker showdown. Um, I think that uh, Flag Smasher Carly is not going to make it out alive. Uh, I think the, I think that hopefully that will all of this will result in sam being officially recognized as as captain america or being recognized as the status or, or him and bucky becoming a fully sanctioned duo or, or kind of getting their just due that's what i think yeah i think it'd be an interesting turn if like i said um i, I always felt it was kind of disrespectful to falcon to say if you're falcon you don't really matter and i always felt like maybe he's gonna say i'm not captain america i'm the falcon but i am the symbol of america Right. What we are today. I think that would be very appropriate. But, you know, whatever. I, I, I think it's going to be cool. I don't know if we're going to get any tie ins to Black Widow because these things are now completely out of order because right. this was supposed to be out after Black Widow. So exactly. we don't really know how this is going to tie out. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be some flim flam. Um, I don't think Sharon Carter will be the big bad. I think that is just a ploy. I think she's playing both sides, and I think we're going to see her uh, make some some pay off in interesting ways. Because at this point, we've got the Flag Smashers, we've got Batrock, we've got Johnny Walker. There's just too much shit happening <laughs> right. to honestly to, to have it just cap uh, just to have Bucky and Falcon take them on. Right. Ten ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag. Got it. It's too much. A little heavy. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, And well, can't wait for the next episode next Friday. This will be coming out when you are probably watching that episode. So maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're right. Who knows? But uh, the show I want to talk about is a new show on HBO Max. It's called The Nevers. Debuted April 11th. Watched it last night. And this is essentially... This is kind of where it gets weird. Joss Whedon's take on a Victorian era X-Men. That's essentially what it is, but with a bent where only females have these special abilities in this group called uh, the Touched. You it, know, t- t- two things. A, I watched it. B, oh, you did? Cre- yeah, oh yeah. And B, it's creepy to think about the fact that Joss Whedon is doing something that's focused around women because it's Joss Whedon. Yeah, and, you know, but the thing is with Joss Whedon, I don't think it's women-focused. I think it's he's just 
become a jerk, like a tyrant, as we've seen with you know his his view on uh, um, Cyborg in Justice League, and then Gal Gadot. Basically, it's not that he's a sexist. I think he's just a power monger who wants to feel like he's better than everybody else. So it's a weird one. I don't know. We I don't know if we ever heard any negative talk about him on Avengers or, you know, either Avengers movie. So I don't know. I think it just became a scenario of like he's just becoming he's basically being revealed as just a bad guy, not necessarily a sexist guy or a racist guy, just a bad guy and, and is on a power trip. So don't know. Um, but the show called The Nevers, um, it was basically a little bit over an hour long. This episode was directed by Joss Whedon, but essentially Joss Whedon is not called out at all. <laughs> they even talked right. about him being the, the showrunner. He's basically left, and now we have other show, showrunners. Marty Noxon is one of the, the people that he's worked with in the past who is essentially now the showrunner. Hopefully that means good things, mean, meaning that people will be able to watch the show and focus on the show itself, not have to worry about the the controversy of Joss Whedon being involved. But um, so you watch Charlie. Um, I thought the show was pretty cool. It sets its own tone. Like I said, it's in Victorian England, you know, the turn of the century where you've got like technology coming in, but essentially we've got this, this event that happened and it gave um, women this ability, special abilities in different ways. Some can throw fire. Some can see future time. Some can create gadgets and gifts. Some can grow extraordinarily. So there's a very uh, a wide variety of different abilities, and they're called the touched. And we've got some people that are accepting them, but then we've got this like weird Uber uh, board of men with like mutton chops <laughs> that are essentially like right. this this shadow group that basically don't like the fact that these women are upsetting the natural order of things but the, we've got the, like a, the mutton chop illuminati <laughs> exactly uh, the mutton chop numini i don't know mutton numini yes whatever it's called but then we've got like a, a woman who has a lot of power and abilities who is basically then funding this group of women uh, and, and they just basically are, are, are badasses and trying to protect these other women, basically creating a Xavier school for gifted children in this way. So I liked it. It's very British. Um, you have to catch up on the, uh, the accents because they get a little overwhelming. The, the talk is dated in a certain way that's of the times. And um, yeah, I'm not sure where the show is going. There's obviously some things there. And at the very end of the episode, it kind of showed you what happened. It was not as I expected it, but it was different, and it kind of explained a way how these powers adapted. But, um, yeah, I guess there's going to be more there. So I enjoyed it, and I'll see where this is going. Uh, Chris watched it with me. She was not a huge fan of how it ended. She's like, what is that? And I'm like, I'm along for the ride. I like the world they set up, and I am interested to see more. But it's definitely adult. It's got uh, nudity, F-bombs. So there you go. Um, It's going to drop weekly. Nudity and f bombs is that 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 that's where I live. No, uh, yeah, I, you know, April and I watched together. It was a lunchtime watch, uh, and I I think I'm on the same page with Chris. It sounds like I was like, eh, what? April seemed more interested than me, and it came out. So a second episode is out now. Did you say? Because it comes uh, out, no, on it'll be out tomorrow. So I think it's out Sundays. Oh, it's outside. Oh, so, oh, so, okay, gotcha. So today, I mean, I, yeah, today, yeah, I know. Oh my, oh, oh, what time is that? I know it's time. We're 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 evergreen over here. I don't know. I wouldn't say you know. And again, 
you know, with, with other watching and reading projects that I have for our various podcasts, which I don't always get done on time. Wink, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, a little more restrictive on stuff that I'm watching. And plus I get sucked in playing a video game here too. I know you know what I'm talking about there. Um, I, I'm not, I'll probably find my way back to it. If April says like, Hey, I really want to see another episode of that, but I wouldn't say it was really pull us all the way in, but you're right. It's cool. It does take a different turn. Now this was this, was this an, was this an IP like an original concept or was this uh, something that was adapted or what's the origin behind this? No, it's an original creation. I think that's where Joss Whedon has typically done original stuff, except for the stuff, obviously that's licensed. So um, yeah. Uh, And I don't know, like I said, I mean, I don't know where he stopped being involved with the show. So if you're, if you're a negative because he's involved in it, um, essentially he's no longer involved in it. And if this continues on, he won't be. So I hate to see people that are employed and doing some interesting things and carrying this forward, get punished because of a jerkazoid. Jerkazoid. Oh, that was freakazoid. Sorry. I remember that was one of your favorites. Freakazoid. Yes. Freakazoid. Yes. There you go. Well, freakazoid. Turn me up and watch me go. Oh my God. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wind me up, yes. He had a big crank on his back, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, uh, so folks, check out those shows. Um, we'll have more to talk about, obviously. Thought Winter Soldier, we're going to have a special guest next week, and we're going to be talking about a certain Mortal Kombat. So be prepared and get ready to be fatalized. <sighs> so fatalized. All right, you want to take, you ready to take it? Absolutely. So, folks, we are moving on to our vacation destination, and that's the Thunderdome. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in Thunderdome, where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, we are dipping in deep to DC Universe Infinite. Man, that's a weird title uh, but that's their service where they offer all of their back issues um so you can really dig into uh the classic dc tales of yore and this week because charlie's getting big into green lantern i kind of gave him a a, a set of storylines in green lantern's history that would kind of really inform him on where the hero was and where he is today so one of the first ones because green lantern's Green Lantern's origin isn't exactly a difficult one. Basically, uh, an alien crashes. He's part of a core of heroes that protect the universe. They protect sectors. And the ring uh, that powers them reaches out to heroes who are um, brave and have a strong will to defend the innocent and helpless. And that is where we start off with Hal Jordan. But we pick up the fact that there's been many versions of Green Lanterns in the past, many Green Lanterns past and present and this is really our first storyline it's called hard traveling heroes green lantern and green arrow teaming up this is a uh i guess iconic run for green lantern in the early 70s the, uh, the we're gonna early, be talking early, the earliest of the 70s yeah. early 70s 1970 yeah april 1970s when this kicked off uh green lantern green arrow number 76 we're gonna be talking about 76 through 78 this week and this is basically a, a classic team up um, and we're going to be uh, talking about three issues this episode, but we'll tackle the rest uh, probably in two weeks after right. that. That's so Charlie fit it, fit it into our schedule. Yeah. So uh, issue issue 76, uh, I realized that I had every every so often the the the, the uh, ad bots at uh, at uh, on Facebook will get me. They'll be like, Comicsology, buy this issue for 84 cents. And maybe six months or so ago, they threw this one at me. Issue 76 is like, watch Green Lantern or Green Arrow do this thing or that thing. And I'm like, oh, for 84 cents, I'll read it. And it was I, not even really thinking about, you know, DC 
infinite. But I thought, well, it's 84 cents. Why don't I read it? And I'm like, this is some like weird like stuff I would not expect out of you know the Green Lantern. Because you think about the Green Lantern the same way you might think about the Silver Surfer or Superman. You know, it's just he's a larger than life hero. He has these infinite powers. He's always in space doing space stuff. You know, so like like Guardians of the Galaxy or the Fantastic Four. But to see him do your friendly neighborhood like Spider-Man-ish kind of stuff where he's like, you know, he's uh, he's he's uh, stopping some hoodlums on the street. Uh, but they were, you know, attacking a, a guy uh, who worked for the, the slumlord of this building that was falling apart where all these indigent people lived. And, and, and Green Arrow shows up and Green Arrow is more of a is more of a Spider-Man-ish kind of character. He's more like, you know, I fight for the people. and He's like Robin Hood. So he shows up. And so the two of them have a, a bit of a beef. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Green Lantern goes to involve himself with this, this fat cat saying, hey, you know, you can't do this. And the guy says, I can do whatever the hell that I want. Why don't you get the hell out of my face? Uh, and so Green Lantern really uh, gets a bugaboo and he beats the crap out of the guy. Well, that instantly gets him sucked back to uh, the Guardians Council on Oa, where all the all the giant heads of the Green of the Lantern Corps sit. And they're like, you know, you can't do this. You attacked your fellow man that's not what you know we lanterns are supposed to be out you know diverting asteroids and shit which is exactly what they send him to do afterwards he says you can't get involved in in this piddly bs back on earth he says so go do this thing and then you just sit like a good dog until we call you and he he gets fed up he's like you know what no you know what it's my job to uh to live by the code uh of the green lantern which Todd, i know you can recite it go for it black stay Bright, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna screw it up. Oh my god! Black stay and brightest light. No evil shall escape my sight. Ah, oh, God, I screwed it up. I will get it later. Yes. Yes, but anyway, so yeah, uh, he says nuts to you. Uh, he runs off and uh, he uh, stops the bad guy. Uh, and then one of the guardians says, "You know what? Uh, I think there's really something to this. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to assume human form. I'm going to come." And hang out with you and Green Arrow. We're going to get the, sh- the shittiest Chevy pickup truck that has ever been known to man. We're, and we're going to drive around the country like Kung Fu, righting wrongs, the three of us. He says, but while you're doing this, uh, your Green Lantern uh, power ring will be diminished, so it's not going to protect you from harm anymore, which is kind of a big fuck you from the Green Lantern people if you look at it. But it does add a wrinkle to it. So, yeah, so at the end of the first episode, it's funny because I sent you a screen grab from the second issue, Todd, and you were like, oh, who's that Aunt May-looking character? I said, that's one of the Guardians in human form. Uh, but yes, has the very similar, you know, kind of Donna Reed, uh, Aunt May gray haircut. But yeah, that's that that's what wraps up that, that first issue. Um, and then we get into issue 77, which, you know, yep. Todd, bring on the cliches. Yeah, so I mean, just to give you a little premise of this, it was all about um, two heroes who were... Supposedly best friends, but as we get into this, you see they have a lot of philosophical differences. Hal Jordan is hardcore. It's the law. We follow it. He's got these guardians that basically give him his abilities, but also then tell him what to do. And kind of like uh, kind of like almost like a cop, like he follows the law to the letter of the law. He doesn't vary from it. So like the first issue, the guardians are mad because this landlord didn't really break the law. He's just greedy and horrible and treating people horribly, but it's not breaking the law. So the Guardians are kind of like saying, you can't take somebody down for not breaking the law. You may disagree, 
uh, and that's where they're basically in Greer was like, no, philosophically, he's kind of like the hippie of the heroes. He's like, man, they're just treating people bad and you're the white guy and these people need your help and you got to help them. Even if the, the law is wrong, we got to stop the law. And Jordan's like, no, we have to change the law if it's wrong rather than break the law. So you've got this philosophical difference. And this is basically why they're traveling the country is basically to explore the world. And hopefully give the Guardians an understanding of human nature and giving them a little context. It's not black and white. It's gray and just all these different things. So the first one's really about versus the greedy landlord where the second issue, once again, in this really green truck, <laughs> ugly, horrible green truck, the You're Guardian right. has to actually sit in the back of the bed, which is like, why didn't no, you get no, a no, stand? I- I thought he was. I thought he was in the middle, like in the bitch. Well, seat. he was for a little bit, but then he was put in the bed. In the next up, a couple up issues, which I thought was I funny. Mean, I'm like what's that it sucks because yeah, he's a and I and I'm not remembering where where did they get the truck from? Was that already the Green Arrow's? Green truck? Arrow just because, had a spare green truck, and, and you know, yeah, in the, because in the future, yeah, he's, gonna, he's he's all rich and shit, or at least that's the way I remember. Well, the show. in the future, yeah, I don't think he was rich at this point. But he become basically becomes very rich in the future, so um, that becomes a thing where he's kind of like you know, green Green Arrow being like Robin Hood stealed from the rich, give it to the poor. So it's kind of that uh, difference of opinion between these two heroes, and they do punch each other a lot <laughs> when they disagree right. and get really bitchy at each other, which is just really fun because you didn't see that back in the day. Um, and this is the con- this is like 1970. So Marvel was doing its thing, which was giving its heroes some background. This is the first really, I would say, a really focus on DC to give its heroes more of a view of the real world. And this really dug deep uh, comparative. So this is a big deal in 1970 to kind of exploring these issues. And the second issue was a weird take because I didn't expect this, but they are traveling the countryside. Apparently they go down to West Virginia <laughs> and they take find me home yeah. country road. <laughs> very weird where they, they are going down all of a sudden they get started. They get fired upon by these hillbillies. And they're like, why the hell are we getting fired upon? And we find out that these miners, they, they take them down, uh, you know, even though it's more difficult than, you know, taking down like supervillains for some reason. Yeah, right. Green Lantern is less powered. But right. they find out, oh, because we're doing that because the, the greedy mine owner who is like, uh, you know, killing us and making us work, um, we're trying to take down the men before they kill us. I'm like, OK, so this is going to be the premise of the book, basically greedy mine owner uh, that they have to take down. And Charlie, I was just impressed because this mine owner essentially created a military complex. Well, it was yeah, it was spectacular, and it's funny even before we get to that. There's just a weird like when the, you know the, the Greens, Lantern and Arrow are are having a disagreement about this. Green Lantern statement is, well, I don't really know what we can do because so and so is the manager of stuff, and I'm like, what 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 are you talking about? This guy is he's he's persecuting. Uh, he's brought in jackbooted thugs, which the the way they they lay oh, into the, the, so the not the, the Nazi ideology in this is like it's 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 like it's not too heavy handed. It's like five heavy handed. Well, it's, it's, it makes it's, no sense. It well, makes right. no sense. Yeah, you got this greedy mine owner who's uh, hired these thugs. Apparently, he hired them from a Nazi jail in <laughs> Europe. Yet this guy that hired them is like this old redneck guy. It well, makes and no the, sense. And in, and in the one scene when he's talking to the, this this guy. Who they're, they're what that we mentioned the military uh, compound that's being broken into. They they're trying to save this one guy who's a fo- who's a folk singer yes. from the town. The the, uh, the the bad guy sitting there talking to him. He's not wearing a shirt. 
And he's got a so, in a soaking tub. You know, so uh, is this is this after sex? I mean, what the hell happened here? It's just it's just there is a lot of janky weird shit going on in this issue. Just yeah, and, as a visual standpoint, I was very put off. Yeah, it was very weird. I mean, from just a concept of like, well, if they kill all the miners or some of the miners, then they'll be quelled to do all this work. I'm like, are they like held in this like alternate like West Virginia where they can't they can't reach out to the world with phones and things and saying, hey, we're kind of being killed uh, by this guy. But it's just very weird. It's like basically felt like if they killed some of the miners, they get them to, uh, you know, to be subservient and work for free. And well, that doesn't pay out. And yeah, to the point where um, flim flam happens, and one of the guys that was one of the the um, the miners that was going to fight back was actually you know in cahoots and was going to take out the the good guys, and it just goes awry. And they were worried that the folk singer who was jailed would get out and become famous like Bob Dylan and sell tell tales and sing songs and would bring highlights to their little town. Very weird. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Strange stuff. But <laughs> tales get even a little more bizarre and oh, super dated racist uh, in, in, in issue 78. So I love, I love how Todd's giving us punchy titles. This is Team Green versus Weird Cult Leader and Biker Gang. Now, oh, my God. We, uh, so our, our squad ends up in uh, Washington State. Uh, but the opening scene is that you see uh, Dinah Lance, who is the Black Canary. Apparently, no powers at this point because you don't really. Yeah, see her no, too. no powers at all. I went yeah. through when she experienced her like uh, Canary call. Right. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, her outfit seems wholly uh, kind of I won't say inappropriate, but impractical for being uh, riding a motorcycle because she's wearing the fishnet stockings. You know, a little light jacket. It seems like you just get cold. No helmet, which is bad. Even the bikers that she beats up are wearing helmets, but and they look yeah, like, they're it, from, like the, from Greece. Yeah, no, they, yeah, or basically like rebel without a cause, but yeah. just the language they're calling her, uh, they're calling her a frail or a, a chickadee or whatever. And they're just, you know, like, Hey baby, we're going to steal your bike. Just give it to us. It was just, it felt very Stan Lee level kind of shitty writing. Sorry, Stan, you, you couldn't script worth a damn wrote some good stories, couldn't script anything because nothing made any sense. But yeah, so again, this is up in Washington State. Uh, it's near an Indian reservation. Uh, and then y- you get Native American characters who are referring to themselves as redskins. They're calling the the uh, team green. They're referring to them as pale faces. And it was just, wow. You know, yeah, I so- mean, they were trying to tackle, I mean, each each issue, you could try to see where they're trying to tackle, like, greed and capitalism that's taking to the man you've got like essentially you know uh, basically workers who are being abused and this one you basically this is about native americans and you've got you know uh, you know biker gangs apparently were a scourge back in the day uh which is kind of not common these days but you've got all these things yeah i mean that's just kind of like you'd see where they're going it just seems like the narrative in a comic book still was not like perfect way to handle it yet Right, exactly. So, uh, and again, shame on me for not doing more reading, but, uh, you know, we're going to get back into this uh, a little bit later on. But just to still continue to touch on this issue, so Canary falls in with this, like, wacko cult leader with... Who is weird... Native American, right? I mean, he was Native American, but then his his goal was to kill everybody? Because he said, right. kill the Redskins, kill the red men, kill the... I'm like... What are you? I don't even know what you're trying to accomplish, but he could hypnotize them apparently. Right, exactly. But yeah, in the end of it, he couldn't hypnotize. It was funny because there was a and there was a retelling of of Canary's origin story 
Uh, and instead, boy, it said that her bike was built by Superman, which I'm like, yeah, oh, I thought it was weird. He really, he really is a super talented guy. I'm impressed yes. by that. But yeah, um, and, and Charlie, to your point, like her origin story, she was actually originally from Earth Two with a Justice yeah, exactly. Society. Yeah, yeah so brought over she, to Earth One. So very right. weird. Yeah, yeah, and it was funny because yeah, it, obviously there was a, a, a <laughs> there were t- she was recanting her story, and it, she said it took months for her to to allow the womanliness in her to be brought out by the Green Arrow. And I'm like, oh, my God. She was married to a 49-year-old dude who died. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but, yeah, it's like he he tries to, when they run into her, she's been hypnotized by this Joshua dude. And uh, a Green Arrow tries to snap her out of it, so he kisses her, and she says, don't do that again, ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it It was interesting. Yeah, it was like a weird look back. I mean, and, and all these issues are kind of resolved, and it's a one take. All these things they're doing is to basically give the Guardian uh, essentially an understanding of human nature and why we shouldn't be judged so harshly on not be not doing things according to black or white. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. My goodness. So anyway. Well, well, I will say this, though. I will say this. This is written by Denny O'Neill, and Neil Adams – did the art and the art was really good for the time. Cause if you've seen anything from the early seventies, sometimes art's not very good, but Neil Adams, I think does some iconic work here and it looks good. So I will say that. And I think the, some of the, the, the work they did, uh, it's not your average, like fair. I thought that was elevated and it's still, you know, regardless of some of the stuff that's of the time, I thought it still was pretty good. I mean, I mean, this is what 70 we're talking now, you know, wow. 51 years later, and didn't read horror. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. And again, it's kind of like you would, I would almost make that analogous to the original Star Trek. You know, they had some great ideas. They tackled some social issues. Uh, some of the things were less than ideal, particularly compared to uh, later versions of, of Star Trek, the next generation or DS nine that also tackle social issues that were uh, with far less William Shatner or, you know, crappy looking models and stuff. But, but yeah, this really tackled, yeah, things that were obviously really prevalent to the time, which comics didn't do a lot of that. And, and I was, um, when I was looking at this and I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, you know, one of the later issues that we'll get into has to do with green lanterns, you know, young ward getting addicted to drugs. And, and I said, uh, you know, uh, just a few years before this was the famous, uh, you know, no comics code, uh, three issues of the amazing Spider-Man that dealt with Harry Osborne, who was Peter Parker's best friend getting addicted to uppers, uppers and downers and speed basically. Uh, and the comics code said to Stan says, well, you can't do that because put this out there and all the kids will want to take drugs and stance that this story is too important to not tell. So I'm going to go without your blessing. I'm going to go out there and do it. And he took a stand and it's one of the most iconic stories, certainly in Spider-Man history. And it, it was, it was record, you know, it was, it was a landslide record setting event to do that. So yes, uh, any kind of medium can be used to tell important stories. And I think that this, this was great aside from the fact that some of it was, kind of pure hokum i liked the fact that they reached out uh and talked about you know issues that were key to the day and some things that are obviously uh you know pivotal to to the life that we live in right now absolutely so yeah we'll be exploring uh, more more issues this was basically an 11 issue run uh we'll be talking about the back half um and we'll probably skim on some issues that were less important (laughs) during that that gap uh in probably two weeks gotcha cool good deal well, 
with that being said, we have found our way to the end of the road. Take it, Todd. I'm just kidding. This is my part, but I, I want—I just wanted to get a solo out of you. Can I get one at the end of the show? Yes. Maybe. Okay, we're good. Thank you for joining us, friends. As always, uh, we are, uh, of course, part. Uh, the, we are the vanguard of the Secret Friends Unite uh, podcasting network and Facebook community uh right now you're listening to secret friends unite your guide to the geek side where we talk comics uh comics movie news and tv uh over on co-op mode uh todd and our friend mark carabin the canardian talk about video games on a bi-weekly basis every monday you can hear yours truly uh with my cohorts aaron and or rich talking about star trek on code 47 and then on the opposite week to co-op mode uh the canardian and myself are talking about Star Wars in the beautiful Holocron Chronicles podcast. Uh, you can find us wherever podcasts are available. Please like, uh, subscribe, leave us a review. Uh, our shows are also mirrored uh, over on YouTube. Um, so find us, make yourself heard by uh, hitting us up over on Twitter, at SecretFriendsU. Uh, drop us a note, let us know something that you're enjoying, your thoughts about the show, and we will get back uh, to you uh, and talk about and talk about your uh, eponymous tweet on the program. Uh, we have a great merchandise store over at T Public. Uh, if you're into tees, Todd, I'm re- recently my new shtick is, and I, I know you'll appreciate this, but I like the uh, the baseball tees. That's kind of my thing because I know you like those ringer t-shirts. These are kind of like those, you know what I mean? So a little bit longer sleeve, a little more stylized. So I've gotten several of those recently. I just got a Secret Friends uh, Code 47 one uh, myself. But we've got a great store. So, yeah, tees, hoodies, long sleeve, stickers, coffee tumblers, wall art, uh, everything but hats, which drives me nuts. they got to get around to making hats at some point because I need an SFU hat like I need a hole in the head. But at any rate, uh, a couple of sale windows coming up. Uh, when you're listening to this uh, on April 23 and 24, there's a sale where you can save up to 35% off T-shirts and other items. And that circles back again the following week on April 28 and 29 uh, to take the month off. So proceeds of that actually do benefit this program uh, and uh, supporting our efforts to bring you uh, fun content and uh, other things for the future. So uh, shop early, shop often. Anyway, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. In brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light.